Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In this show, we discuss team and business metrics, what to measure and how. For example, track the trends in the activities that will generate the business outcomes you want and can be improved once you have measured them. Steve, I think uh, we had talked about uh, Agile Matrix uh, in a very brief way, but I'm hearing from a lot of my acquaintances and clients that uh, they always want to know, uh, especially during the Agile transformation, uh, what kind of matrix are more significant and they really help uh, the whole business and the team. And what is the best uh, best way of doing things? So that may be something that we should start focusing on. And let's talk about that today. I think you know that I have a certain bias when it comes to metrics because yeah. I've seen organizations where there is so much effort put into setting up very complex analytics and doing surveys of users and then Everybody hates it because it's so time-consuming and everybody knows that the metrics can be gained anyway. So it can be very counterproductive. And the thing that's really important is to realize that what is important is really the outcome of the transformation. It's not some of the specific agile practices. They're just there to support the business. So whilst it's important, for the teams to understand how they're performing if there are people who are watching that or the team thinks that they're being watched then what they will likely do is just game the system to make themselves look good right. so that's really a, a kind of pitfall and it really leads to the wrong behavior and it prevents things showing up that the team has to address because the issue, the issues get suppressed yeah i think false uh, metrics yeah i think the equivalent metaphor is the yeah the surgery was successful but the patient died right <laughs> <laughs> exactly so you know the measurements are the same thing you know you can measure to the nth degree and when the outcomes don't prove that the measurements uh, mean anything then it's what's the point so i think that's exactly right as to we need to start looking at you know, what are we trying to accomplish by measuring this so then i think the uh, measurement means something and then other thing is also if you see the measurement what can you do i mean what are the things that actionable based on that what measurements you see i think that's the whole idea so that there should be something actionable not just making you know everyone look good <laughs> so i think that's the the other aspect of it is that there is there is a reason to give you direction and uh, forge your path to improvement so i think that's the whole idea behind measurement yeah i agree uh, with you and i think you really alluded to something that's super important, which is that we should always be measuring the thing that we want to improve. And uh, when we're thinking about what a team is trying to accomplish at a certain 
time during its evolution, it may be different to what needs to be accomplished some period later. So, for example, you may have, you know, got the scrum practices down, but maybe you're weak on the technical practices. So mm -hmm. you should then start to say, well, we really need to improve how we do code reviews or whatever it may be or how we deploy to production. So now put some metrics around that until that gets under control and now what's the next thing that really needs to improve so the metrics and the retrospectives and the plan of action all get tied together right and i think uh, you know even when the when we say the quality improvements um, it's basically the uh, end users perspective of if the quality is better then they will have automatically a confidence in the product itself so uh, if you look at why we are improving the quality is there is a reason for it and that's the kind of a business goal or the productivity goal and then the measurements make sense that for example the quality is like um, user found uh, defects if you want to remove eliminate those then you can start working backwards and start measuring where the uh, bugs are getting introduced or they are escaping now that is something actionable that is something that is measurable and people feel that um, it's actually getting their issues involved sooner than later so i think that's the the quality uh, that's the value of measurement right and also one of the things that i know you and i both worked at one company where there were some very very complex metrics that have been put in place that were intended to measure the way the team was collaborating yeah and so teams were getting rated by some color scheme and the fact is that it was just a very burdensome activity so the teams were being asked a lot of questions on a regular basis and it was honestly impacting their productivity right the right. people yeah. who administered the whole system you know, I guess it was job security for them, at least for a while. But but at the end of the day, they probably had much better things that they could be measuring and analyzing and so on. And I also don't really know if anybody in the business cared enough to look at the results and take action when teams were moving in the wrong direction. Yeah, and now, I think I, that's the that's the uh, what you say is exactly right in the sense that. Uh, yeah, you could be productive very fast, but you could be producing the wrong thing very fast. So you know, are you following the vision or not? Or uh, do you have any way of uh, checking whether we are developing the right thing? So productivity for the productivity's sake doesn't make any sense. So I think that's that was, I think, one of the things that we saw very clearly that... Uh, how are we checking? How how do we know whether the product being developed is correct or not? Maybe that is the measurement that they should have looked at. And of course, needless to say, the whole objective with Agile is to deliver the highest value items early. Um, and so you can be extremely productive but building the wrong product. So that's right. an another factor that has to be come in, you know, from the, the business perspective. Are you really improving the, the value that you're delivering? Right. But, you know, where I was going with the burdensome metrics was to mention that 
you need to be smart about what you measure. And sometimes it's a proxy that you need. You don't need a lot of measurements. Maybe one thing is enough. And I know of one small company that is extremely agile. And what they figured out after some time was that they should just measure the employee net promoter score, which is a single value that tells you within a team are the team members happy working in the team and do they feel that, you know, would they recommend other people for like friends and family to join that team? Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. a single value. And the way they calculate it is in every sprint at a random time, sometimes at the beginning, sometimes at the end, a single question get pops up on people's uh, screens where they have to provide a, a numerical score, then they average out the value and that gives them for that team, for that sprint, the uh, net promoter score and the thing that's really interesting is that they found that it was a predictive measure of how the team would perform so a lot of the metric well almost all the metrics are trailing indicators they're telling you what happened in the past but this one in particular was telling them okay everything is going well in the team and then later when they looked at other metrics they would see that was reflected in the quality of the work the productivity and everything else and when teams were not happy, those other qualities were <laughs> were going right. uh, down the chute. So that's yeah. you know that's the other point. That be very selective. Don't ask. Don't try and measure too many things, but enough so that the system cannot be gamed, and that where those things are a good proxy for what you really would like to measure and maybe cannot measure. Absolutely, and I think that's where the biggest challenge comes is. Uh, the measurements, even as as you were saying, that employee net promoter score is actually a a validation with the, uh, whether the agile process or framework is working for the organization or not. So it's a feedback loop within the company, within the organization, because it's not, doesn't have to be outside customer. But if we build that uh, along with the team saying, oh, if we get the feedback from the team how things are going, you will be able to get to a better place and better uh, environment. That is a direct correlation with the, how the products come out. So yeah, that is something that we need to start thinking as to, uh, we need to be agile about agile. Yeah, absolutely. So what you just said also reminds me of the fact that and it was sort of alluded to earlier, but in an ideal situation, you would like to start measuring met, uh, metrics that are going to help the team improve. So as soon as you start sharing results, that can lead to problems where the competition is formed between different teams and people want to look good, as we said earlier. But In a perfect world scenario, which doesn't happen very often, what you would do is you would start using certain metrics within the team, you know, kind of uh, like the the traditional scrum elements of a burn-down chart. Is it going down smoothly? Is it dropping off suddenly at the end? All of these things are a form of metrics that help the team understand where things are not working as they should. And if a team can leverage those metrics and not have to share them so no gaming is going on, then the team will definitely improve a lot. And in fact, I have seen cases where a team will keep these things to themselves. And when 
once they start improving and they feel good about themselves, then they like to display charts and things that expose their, you know, their improvements to the rest of the organization. Yeah, I think one of the things, uh, and I was at Agile Alliance gathering uh, earlier this year in um, Austin, and one of the keynote speaker had made a very good observation that they said, you know, if you look at the measurements like the burn down chart or burn up chart, uh, you should not wait till the end. If you look at the midpoint, even if it's like, you know, two weeks sprint, at the one, the first end of the first week, you should look at the trend and say, are we getting better or are we going to make this or not? Are we, uh, is our slope uh, of things getting done uh, in a right way or it is all completely flat? There is a realization, you know, one of the things that he mentioned is that when the, you know, that's why the basketball teams or any other teams, they are so particular about the momentum at the halftime. Because if you have the momentum going in a positive direction at the halftime, usually that team is the one that wins at the end. So it's very similar. If you have a momentum gaining the right way, the probability of you finishing it at the end is much more higher. So I think that's a great way of using some of the indicators like the burn down chart, like the burn up charts or uh, open stories, you know, whatever you want to do, take a look at it at the midpoint and you will really know. And it, it could be applied to even epics or features. It doesn't matter where, you know, how big you want to take. But uh, that I thought was a great idea and that would be a good way of measuring things. But actually, you know that the idea of the burn-down chart was developed by uh, Jeff Sutherland, who was a former Air Force pilot. And the way that he came up with this concept was that when flying a plane and coming into land, you have to continually make adjustments to make sure that you're within a certain path, a certain range of uh, altitudes that will get you to land safely. So, in fact, that, that concept is absolutely correct, but you should be even applying it, you know, almost on a daily basis because you will detect potentially very early that you're off course. Right, right. I mean, it's incremental for sure, but um, even with that, the midpoint is a very good indicator whether uh, you're going to be able to make it there or not. Or do you need to make any adjustments to make sure that you will be able to get there? So that you are not going off the cliff like that hockey stick kind of things. So I think that's you no know, daily for sure. You know you need to start looking at it from the on a on a daily basis so that you have the real time feedback, uh, and that's the whole idea behind it. So it's like one of the things that he also said. You know instead of making measurements an absolute one, you should start looking at the trend. For example, if you want to look at say do ratio you have to start looking, are we improving or are we diverging? So suppose the first sprint was uh, 40%. So whatever you said and you delivered was only 40% of what you said. If the next sprint, you got better, you got 45, 50%, 60%, or you're going down <laughs> in the other direction. Now you have something to work on saying, ah, okay, there is some issue here and let's fix that. Instead of just looking at the velocity, velocity can be manufactured very easily. Very good point. Um, I'm just thinking that some of our 
audience members may not know what the say-do ratio is, so maybe you can just add a bit more detail around that. Yeah, so the say-do ratio is basically checking every sprint or any measurement or uh, time time slice saying, when you start the sprint plan, suppose you said we were going to do uh, five stories total of uh, 30 points. And then at the end of the sprint, you uh, look at it and say, oh, we did only four stories and they were only 24 points. So your 24 divided by 30 is almost 80%. 80% was your uh, say-do ratio. So now you have to start looking at what happened. That is your retrospective. Saying what happened that we could not finish up to 100% and what can we do? Is this really a 24 is our capacity so that next time we should only take 24 points and try to do it? So those are the kinds of actionable things and then start looking at whether we are going from 80% to 90% to 100%. You know, those, that's the trend that I was talking about. I've always wondered why it's not called the do-say ratio because it's a proportion of what you did compared with what you said you would do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, or say-as-I-do ratio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, just going back to the, the idea of trying to minimize the amount of effort that goes into collection, collecting the metrics, uh, some tools such as, for example, uh, CA's Agile Central Insights that used to be called uh, Rally, mm -hmm. has an analytics module that really does all the work for you. And what it does is it shows you productivity, predictability, responsiveness, and quality, just based on all the data that it has. Right. You do need to um, configure it a little bit, you know, to set up a few things. But anyway, for the most part, it does all the work for you. So... That's a really good example of somewhere where you can live, leverage um, something that makes your life easier but still gives you the key information that you need. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, other tools like uh, version 1 and Jira also have those kind of – they will show you the predictable path of your release, you know, how long it's going to take to get this done so that you can make the adequate adjustments so that you can make that. So. I think predictability, as you're mentioning, uh, comes in different forms. So start looking at it from what is our current predictability and are we going to be able to make it there or not? Or what will it take to get it done? Or do we need to change the uh, scope so that we can actually make it happen? And it, as you were saying, you know, it should be real time so that you know today what's going to be happen from, from or two weeks from or uh, two months from now instead of uh, after the fact, saying, oh, we missed it by um, 80%. <laughs> that's that's not the very comfortable uh, situation to be in. Yeah, really, uh, I'm a big fan of the cumulative flow diagram, which I think is available in all tools. Correct. Which uh, shows over time the state that all the, the scope of a release is in. What's very cool about it is the fact that you can see when there is uh, a change in the scope Correct. because the top line should be horizontal. You know, the, the overall scope has not changed. It's just the state of how much is done that's changing. But if you see the top line moving, then, you know, the scope has changed. And that's really good feedback, especially for the business or the uh, the product owner. 
Right. And I think uh, one of the other things I think we had talked about uh, last time was that the uh, cumulative flow diagram shows you also the cycle time and the lead time. So the lead time is very important from the end uh, user or the customer point of view. Uh, so cycle time um, is basically the time when you start working on the story till you finish the story. And that's averaged out for over the stories, uh, number of stories and how long does it take on an average. So that gives you an idea as to how long does a team take to complete a story. The second part is the lead time. That means when a customer makes a request, their request gets into the product backlog and then it is finished, it is delivered to them in production in their hand. That's the lead time. So from end user's perspective or the customer's perspective, that's the most important for them. When they asked for certain things, when did they get it back? If it is, If it took too long, then that's where the value start diminishing for them. So it's very critical to know what is our lead time, what is the trend of the lead time. It is increasing or decreasing. How can we manage that? Now there is actionable thing and lead time is a lot more uh, something that continuous flow diagram will show you and it's much more easier. To, and then uh, most of the tools will automatically calculate for you and plot it for you. So it's much more easier that way. Yeah, and that's something that really, I think, mostly comes out of the Kanban world, but it's absolutely applicable to people doing Scrum. And that's true with a lot of the things that these tools provide. Uh, Many of them come from the Kanban side of things that to do with how the work is flowing through the system and so on, but they are very important for Scrum as well. Yeah, and I think that's another uh, thing that you uh, you just mentioned as, as you know, to improve the uh, say-do ratio, one of the tricks that is used is controlling the work in progress. Now, work in progress is coming from Kanban world, but that really helps the Scrum world deliver things in a much more effect because you are changing the batch size. That means number of stories being worked on at the same time. That is the work in progress. And unless the top one is done, you don't go to the next one. Automatically, the turnaround times get better and better and better. People get focused. Everything, all the team dynamics changes. So uh, these are the measurements. They are much more usable from everyone's point of view. So um, so I, lo- I love Scrum Ban because you don't have to be you know just tied to just Scrum framework or Kanban framework. In both cases with uh, Kanban and Scrum, there is a mechanism there to limit the work in progress. In the case of Scrum, it's breaking things into sprints so that you're not working on 400 features in parallel, but you have a commitment for two weeks. And then after two weeks, you, if things go well, you're like restarting from scratch and with a, just a small sprint backlog, and that's limiting how much work you're yeah. working on. And in Kanban, it's based on the states and so on. Yeah, as they say, you know, the... Uh, parallel processing is the one key factor that will kill the productivity. Yes, absolutely. Good. So I think the uh, the moral here is uh, to try and keep metrics as simple as possible. 
without impacting the, the, the team's valuable time in kind of assembling the metrics and so on. So any of these uh, things that are available from the tools that the team is using anyway are very valuable at the team level. And from a business perspective, the metrics are really different. They're more to do with whatever's important to the business. Why are you even bothering with an agile transformation? So if your objective is to improve the quality because your customers have been telling you that your product is terrible uh, from a quality perspective, then that's what you should measure. And if what you're trying to do is to become more responsive, then you should be looking at the lead time. And that lead time, by the way, isn't necessarily only to do with development. It can cut across the whole organization from how product managers take in the requirements, how they process them, how they prioritize them, and so on. So always think about what's important from a business perspective, what's important from the team's perspective. Find what's the minimal set of things that you can measure easily that are a good proxy to what you're trying to improve, and then take action to improve them based on what you found out. And all the measurements, you should take a look at the trends of the measurements. Yes. So that that would be the guidance to how you can improve and which levers to pull to get that measurement in the right direction. Awesome. Okay, cool. Very good. Bye, everyone. Bye.